Cool, so um, this next story um, is uh, from about a year ago, I suppose this was, um, and uh, it's, it's unfortunate, John, if John was uh, here this afternoon, he'd be able to share this story himself, but he has um, emailed me, um, please don't turn those lights off, because <laughs> I won't be able to see. So, okay. so um, he emailed me um, the, this uh, story, really, of what happened, and uh, he was out uh, BMX riding with uh, his kids, having fun on gravel, and was being, acting far too um, young for his age. But anyway, he came off his bike and cut his elbow really badly, terribly badly. He said his, un his elbow was unusually painful and was bleeding heavily. I went home, cleaned the dirt and gravel out, <clears throat> and, by, and by then it seemed that the bleeding was much less and the wound was about one centimetre wide and about 10 to 15 centimetres long. I decided I would, not, I, I would put a dressing on it and go to the GP the next day if the bleeding didn't stop. I went to the GP the following day partly because it hadn't stopped bleeding and partly because I was in so much pain that even my clothes touching it was painful. The uh, GP advised that I, should, uh, have it, I, that I should have had it stitched on the first day and that I had exposed a nerve. And that why it was so painful. And the GP said it couldn't be stitched now because it was too late uh, and because it was infected. So it's told off by his GP, is what we're saying there. Um, so, the, um, so he was given antibiotic cream and gorse dressing that would allow my infection to come, come out and I was told that there would be significant scarring and the infection should clear up in three to five days. I went to church about a week after the incident and it was still heavily infected, uh, having to be continuously drained, lovely, <clears throat> and uh, too painful to touch. I responded to a call for healing and you prayed for me, Phil. The first thing to note was that you were able to hold my arm while praying for you. Just to say, I do remember that day, and I do remember specifically feeling, I knew he was in agony, but I knew somehow in God, I've got to lay my hands on him. So I very tenderly held his arm and laid my hand on. And he said, the very first thing to note was that you were able to hold my arm while praying and the pain of the exposed nerve was gone. I could feel a heat on my arm while praying and having left church, I was able to rest my arm on things and my arm had very little pain. I changed the dressing that night and cleaned the wound again. The next morning, the dressing was still wet but not yellow. I love the detail, eh? It's like... <laughs> And uh, by Thursday, the wound had stopped weeping and there was no sign of infection. I swapped the dressing for a dry one and the following Sunday, all of the tenderness is gone and it was clearly uh, clearing up nicely. I believe you prayed again on that Sunday. Um, it was almost completely cleared up the next week with very little scar tissue. I saw the GP on Wednesday and Thursday and they were very pleased and there was far less scarring that the GP had expected. While the GP expected it to heal, the infection had got far worse and they expected it and, and it only seemed to start clearing up after prayer 
And again, the scarring was virtually non-existent, even though the GP had said it was going to be badly scarred. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love stories like that, and we've been praying for God to move and see more and more um, signs and wonders. And um, what I want to do, first of all, is I want to tell you and be honest about my own uh, journey, my own personal journey in this, uh, so that you can see that you don't need to uh, be, you can start from a place of zero faith. And um, I was brought up in um, a Christian home. For some of you who understand the terminology, it was reformed. Uh, It was so-called biblical, really loved the Bible, but it did not have any sense of charismatic expectation or the supernatural power of God. So in other words, we believed when the Bible said about miracles, but we had no expectation for God to break in today and do some amazing things. And it was only when I was filled with the Spirit, and you wonder how that happens in that sort of church context, but there we go, Uh, that is another story and I won't go into that, but it was only after I was filled with the Spirit that I then started to read the Bible with new eyes and I saw that it was actually quite full of miracles and that also there was an expectation that healing would happen today. And so I found my whole mind shifting Um, and uh, so I was uh, believing that God not only uses the medical world which we are so grateful for and uh, absolutely we're you know we're alongside that but what we're saying is that God can also uh, instantaneously or otherwise maybe gradually he can come and bring healing now my first experience of healing Right, a little bit embarrassing, not totally full of faith, but there we go. Um, This was in 1986. I was at the time um, renting a room in a large house, and there was a guy there uh, called Sean. He was uh, an Irish guy, and he had badly hurt his back. I don't know what he'd done, but he he could hardly walk, and he couldn't bend over and uh, pick stuff up off the floor. I... This was when I'd just come into this revelation that God does heal today, and I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me. Oh, thank you very much. He said, go and pray, offer to pray. And I I resisted until I felt, well, I've got to just try and see. So I then um, went and said, look, hey, can I pray for you? Um, I believe that Jesus can heal you. And um, he said, no. So that was great, wasn't it? So I went off upstairs, um, off to the bathroom, and uh, brushed my teeth, I think. Let's be technical about this, you know, the detail. And all the way to the bathroom, I remember praying in tongues. Now, I don't know what I was praying, but I felt sure that I was praying for his healing. And uh, finished my business, came downstairs, only to have this large Irish uh, man wagging his finger at me, going, you prayed for me, didn't you? And I was like, yeah, I did. <laughs> and he says, well, he says, well, look at this. And he went and he picked up a picture that had fallen off on the ground and picked it up like this. And then he went and touched, his, touched, his, uh, touched the floor, touched his toes. The pain was totally gone. Now, I don't know about you. I was really surprised, eh? I was like, 
Also, like, it's one thing to read it in the Bible. It's another thing to believe it can happen, but then to think that God uses little old me type prayers really blew me away. Um, and uh, on and off over the years, I guess that I've been either wanting to pray for people or sort of shying off from it. Let's be honest, it's been a roller coaster. But I have to say that there was um, an experience about 18 months ago. Um, I went to a conference uh, in Auckland, uh, Manifest Presence, some of you would have heard of that. Uh, Bill Johnson was there and Randy Clark, who has an amazing uh, healing ministry. And I felt, I just felt, I've got to go. And I think Nat went, Tim Patterson went as well. We went up there. And um, I have to say, in one of the sessions, God met with me very powerfully in a way that I was, and, and I know there was, a, there was a, an altar call for something, and it was if, if a couple of things were happening to you, then come forward and receive prayer for an anointing. And uh, bearing in mind my background, conservative background, I thought there is no way that I'm going to go forward. God, I just want the real thing. And I remember being in my seat, just crying out to God, God, I really want to see a manifestation of your glory. I want it to be you. And if the shakes come, I want the shakes to be you. And if I feel the compassion of God in my heart and I'm blubbing like I think is what they said it was one of the signs, I want this to be you. It's got to be you. If I feel an anointing in my body, I want it to be you. And uh, all I know is I stayed solid in my seat until someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, uh, you really should be up there. And uh, they helped me, I don't know how, into an aisle. That's about as far as I got. I remember people praying for me. And I remember this, as I was on the floor, I remember Tim Patterson, our Tim, prophesying over me, God is giving you kingdom spectacles. You are going to see things differently from now on. And... Um, when you receive a word like that, you think, wow, um, I'd love that to be true. And um, I also know we had a conversation over, the, um, <clears throat> over that conference, and we were talking about, uh, oh, that's right, Tim was great. He was just saying, look, I, I love what these guys are preaching, but I want to believe it from, from the Bible myself. I want to dig into the Bible and see it's true. I felt it was a very prov provoking sort of uh, conversation. And so what, what I've done since that time, since August 2015, is I have pretty much constantly been in the Gospels and constantly been in the Book of Acts to see what Jesus did, to see practically what he did, to see the faith that he brought, to see what he expected his followers to do. And I've found the more and more that I've done that, I've found my own mindset shift and become more and more certain this really is it. This isn't just made up by a few uh, sort of uh, characters, but this is what the Bible teaches. And uh, I, I think also, I think what's happened, and I think because we're mainly church family here, what we've discovered is the more that we pray for people, the more healing we see. That's true, eh? That's so true. The more we do it. And I've found over the last 18 months or so, I've probably been praying a whole lot more than I ever have been and have been seeing some more than I've ever have been. 
and we still want to see more. So um, <laughs> I know 18 months ago, um, I think it was sort of November time, everything past a year ago is about 18 months ago in this story. Okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, it's probably 23 months ago. No. Um, so 18 months ago, um, Helen Gunson, she, I've spoken to her about this story as well, she um, had a, an operation, an internal operation, and was really recovering very, very slowly. This was, I think, November 2015. Jackie and I went round, I'm sure others had prayed with her. Jackie and I went round her home just to minister to her. She was very weak, we didn't stay long. We just ministered, I was, um, as we laid hands on her, we just ministered the compassion of God, the love of God, spoke to everything inside of her to come into line, to line up, to be right in Jesus' name. And uh, we were absolutely thrilled. Next day, Jackie got a text, and the text went something like this, and I wish we still had it, but I don't, but it was something like, Thank you for praying. It was the first good night's sleep I've had since the operation. It's the first time I could bend over the bed and make it without pain. It's the first time I've got into the shower and out without pain. And it was like the first this, the first this, the first this. God had broken through. Hallelujah. Amazing. So, and um, now you don't always get wins. We know that. Uh, I just want to be very real with you today, um, especially when I tell you what I'm going to be talking about, is... um, Jackie is at home in bed and she has a, a throat that's now coming onto her chest and we've been praying, we haven't seen breakthroughs. And so we're in this sort of tension of uh, we see stuff and we don't see stuff. But I'm telling you this because at the end of the day we want to build our theology on what Jesus says and what the Word of God says. And if my experience doesn't line up with this, I'm not going to say, oh, well, this isn't relevant for today because I'm not proving it to be true. I'm going to say, God, this is what the truth is. I'm going to align my theology, my mindset in with what Jesus says. And so we, we pray. There's another day when we uh, went round to um, Roding. Um, well, I can't remember what day it was, but anyway, we went round one afternoon to talk about the garden. And uh, I remember looking at Roding and just thinking, gosh, is you, I, I think you said, I've got this splitting headache. And I looked at you and I thought, I could see you had. It, was, it looked painful. It looked terrible. So we carried on talking about the garden and things like that. But I just felt in my heart, no, this is not right. And, um, and so offered to pray. And I remember just commanding it in Jesus' name to go. And you went, whoa! <laughs> it just instantly went. I mean, you were surprised, I was surprised. It was, but it was just one of those sort of breakthrough moments you thought, fantastic. To counter that story, is, well, not counter it, no, celebrate that story, praise God. We also, um, Jackie has um, headaches quite seriously, and I'm really battled to see any of those shift at all. So we're contending, and I think we need to be with one another, and we don't adjust our expectation because we don't get through on one thing, um, and we celebrate what God is doing, all right? And I think also, and it was just a conversation with John, I don't know whether this is true or not, or whether we'll, um, whether this is right theology, but we were talking about breakthrough in family, sometimes really hard. You pray for your offspring, you pray for your loved one, and it feels really hard. I haven't got a theology about that. All I can say is this. I think this is where we need to be body and minister to one another. And maybe one another, the authority we have in Christ, can help break in a situation. Because I know, it's just, 
shift something in your own family? Really hard. Don't know why. And maybe we'll get to a place where we know how to shift that. Um, anyway, I'll just throw that in there. Now, before I talk about what I'm going to talk about, I want to give you um, a little bit of an overview, really, because um, I think it's good to have a healthy framework uh, to, when we come to this subject of, of sickness and healing, and that's particularly the emphasis of the kingdom we're doing. Um, so um, before we start, I just want to do some quick pointers, and this is not a thorough theology, but this is just painting a little bit of a framework around the issue of sickness and healing. And we haven't got lots of time to go into it because what I want to talk about, uh, can you put the first, that one, the one, the title one, that one, what, the next one. And uh, what I want to talk about is actually kingdom commission and authority. But before we get to that, I just want to get these, this framework out of the way to give us a brief but biblical uh, framework of where we're coming from. So we can understand this is the lens through which when Nat and I speak, this is the kind of lens that we're speaking through. Okay, so, you know, you could ask the question, where does sickness come from? Uh, and uh, all I would say is my, uh, my position on that would say, well, it was not apparently part of the original creation because when God looked at his creation, he said on every day of creation, this is very good. It's excellent. And also when you go to the end of the Bible, Revelation 21, you understand the new heavens and the new earth there is no more sorrow, there is no more death, there is no more sickness, there is no more all of the things that have messed up this broken world. So you understand from that that God's will is a perfectly wonderful creation that's very good, and the end of the story is a perfect creation that's wonderfully good. Therefore, I would say that the, the blip in the middle, what we experience, is where there is sickness, it is part of being in a fallen, broken world. Okay? Uh, is it directly related to sin? Now, I want to clear up some uh, potential nonsense around this. Thankfully, not among us. I haven't heard this, which is great. But some people go, oh, you know, is there sin in your life? Now, that's a general question for any Christian, eh? It's not when you're sick and you're feeling really rubbish about yourself anyway, is there sin in your life? It's a general question. But is sin directly related to sickness? Well, listen what the Bible says. Uh, it's when the blind man is healed, he is brought to Jesus, he's blind from birth, and Jesus heals him, and his disciples ask the question saying, so was it his sin, or was it his parents' sin? Whose fault is it? And he's trying to apportion blame, Jesus just says, it's neither his sin nor his parents' sin, but it's that God would be glorified. So he just disperses that. There is another instance of when the paralyzed man gets healed, and uh, Jesus says to him after he is healed, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Well, that may be pointing that in his case there was something, there was a link. But the Bible doesn't major on it. And what you find is whenever Jesus comes to someone, he never condemns someone for being sick. He never says it's your fault. And he always comes to bring healing to it. And he comes with tenderness and compassion so Jesus never condemns anyone for being sick. Again, it's a general result of being part of the fallen world, and we mustn't judge people. Um, so does God make us sick then? Now this is where there may be some different perspectives. I'm just saying this is my understanding um, of this, and I would say 
no, uh, God does not send us sickness. It's, sickness may come because we're part of a fallen world, okay? Uh, but it does not come from him. He's not the source of it. I haven't got time to go into all of that. Um, I would say also he doesn't make us sick to test us, just to try our faith. But God can use a bad thing for our good. That's where God's sovereignty comes in. He can use something that's bad, a sickness, and can use it, but it doesn't come from him. When you look at Jesus, Jesus consistently treated sickness as an enemy to be kicked out. He never said, this one's welcome and this one's doing a good job. He never said that. He dealt with it as an enemy. It's got to go. And, uh, you know, and, and the fact that he reveals the heart of the Father means that we've got to understand that it's not God sending a sickness and Jesus battling against it. Otherwise, you've got the nonsense of a kingdom fighting against a kingdom. Jesus reveals the heart of the Father. So where does sickness come from? Or sorry, where does healing come from? God reveals himself as Jehovah Rophi or Jehovah Rapha, whichever way you say it, all right? That means the Lord who heals, the Lord who restores, the Lord who makes us healthy. And he doesn't change. So, um, <clears throat> so as Nat says, we honour the medical profession, we celebrate every sort of healing, but what we see is overarching the whole of healing is God, the healer. He is the one who heals. And Jesus comes and manifests his healing power. So, just then to summarise that before we get on to this main topic of kingdom commission and authority, sickness is an invasion in God's creation and it's not part of his rule or kingdom. Sickness is part of a fallen, broken world. It's treated as an enemy. And Jesus came to bring his kingdom to heal and mend a broken world and to bring his love and compassion, whether it's physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing. I love Paul's your story. I just love that whole story about it's not just the physical, but it was actually far deeper than that, that um, Jesus came to heal. Fantastic. Okay, so let's look then at this subject of uh, kingdom, commission, and authority. First place I want to go is the fact that Jesus has authority over sickness. <clears throat> Jesus states his mission quite early on in his uh, ministry. He states the purpose of his coming, his manifesto, what his kingdom's about. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. In other words, he's saying, this is what my kingdom is about. And he's quoting um, Isaiah 61. And if you look there... Uh, it gives a fuller description of this kingdom, this manifestation of the kingdom. And so you find that it brings forgiveness. It brings freedom, release, favour, healing, comfort, wholeness and joy. And on the day that Jesus declared that from the scriptures, he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled. In other words, the kingdom's come now. And this is what I've brought with me. And it accompanied it with power. So what he's saying is, today, 
Earth is being invaded with God's blessing and a broken world is getting mended. A few verses later in Luke 4, um, in Capernaum, it says that Jesus, uh, people were amazed at Jesus' teaching because his words had authority. And that was the thing about Jesus. You know, he knew who he was. Uh, he knew why he'd come. He knew what he was about, totally. And he knew what he was talking about as well. So when he talked, people knew, oh, he knows what he's talking about. But not only did he know what he was talking about, it was accompanied with signs and wonders. Totally. You know, they demonstrated what he said. So he came not only to tell people about the kingdom, he demonstrated it. And people were healed. People were set free. He was bringing the kingdom, not just telling us about the kingdom. And in almost every chapter of uh, the Bible, or every chapter of the Gospels, when you read through, there is supernatural breakthrough in some way. In fact, if you do the maths on it, you'll find over 90% of Jesus' supernatural miracles and breakthrough was having compassion on people and bringing them healing or freedom or setting them free from some demonic oppression. Uh, Jesus came to bring freedom. And every story is recorded for our faith. Not just tell us this is what Jesus did, but to tell us this is what Jesus does because he's the same today. Yesterday, today, forever. He's always the same. He doesn't change. In other words, his agenda is the same. Today, he can heal you. Today, he can forgive you. Today, he can uh, restore us. And he can set us free. Amazing. So Jesus states his mission very clearly. And then Jesus demonstrates his authority over sickness. And uh, you could go through so many of the Gospels, but what you do find, I mean, just a, a quick trip through part of Luke, although I'm currently, actually I'm back in Luke again now, been with um, Mark lately, but Luke again. So what we have here is that uh, Jesus has authority over the demonic realm. So in Luke uh, 4, he talks about, a, 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 he meets a man who's troubled by an impure spirit, and Jesus rebukes it sternly. It says, come out of him, and the demon leaves, and the man is set free. Jesus has authority in the de uh, de demonic realm. There is nothing that is not in his authority. So very soon after that, he goes to the home of uh, Simon Peter's uh, home, and his mother-in-law has a fever, and he bends over her, rebukes the fever, and tells it to go, and it left her. And then in the evening, people bring uh, loads of uh, people to be healed, and it says that everyone was healed. And so Jesus has authority over everyday sickness and fever. And I think that's... Uh, I, what I love about that, I noticed that very recently, is like, it's not just the big ones that Jesus comes to do. It's not just the blind eyes that Jesus does. He comes and he touches a mother-in-law or a grandma maybe by that time and her fever goes. Jesus comes to everyday sickness. Man with leprosy, Luke 5, if you're willing you can make me clean, Jesus goes, of course I'm willing, be clean. He lays his hands on the leper which was kind of a not thing you didn't do but Jesus has authority over skin diseases and things that are infectious. 
And so he comes and brings authority over skin diseases. Another one is he has authority over paralysis. So the, on several occasions this is uh, that uh, Jesus comes, uh, the paralyzed man is laid before him. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven and also get up and walk. And he gets up and walks. And Jesus has authority. So Jesus is the one who has authority. There was another occasion, Luke 6, uh, where there is a man with a shriveled hand and Jesus says to him, stretch out your hand. And immediately the hand is restored. And you think, amazing. Absolutely amazing. You see, Jesus is able to uh, restore things that aren't functioning as they normally do. So uh, one day it's a blind man. Born blind, Jesus comes along and restores something that's not functioning correctly. He brings it in line with God's purpose that an eye sees. And with hearing, uh, Jesus sees someone who is deaf and the ear comes unblocked and they hear again. Jesus causes our body to function as God intended it to function. And then there's uh, another story in Luke 7. Notice these are only a few chapters in Luke. Uh, Luke, uh, there's a centurion whose servant is sick and dying. And um, <clears throat> Jesus says, go, uh, go home. And when you get home, it will be as you believed it would be. And he goes home and the servant is healed. This guy was sick and dying. Jesus has authority over life-threatening disease and terminal illness. He has authority and then when the widow's son dies, as one story of a few that Jesus did, Jesus has authority over death because he comes to that situation and speaks life into a dead body and it comes back to life. And so what you find is Jesus has all authority over all sickness. In fact, you could, uh, you could describe whatever sickness that you could think of or you've got or a friend of yours has got, any condition, and you can say, well, is this one under the authority of Jesus? Absolutely it is. And everyone who came to Jesus received healing power. Jesus has authority. So where does the authority come from? Where does his authority come from? Well, the centurion that I just mentioned who had the paralyzed um, servant who was uh, very sick, he understood how authority worked. And so he said to Jesus, look, I understand because I too am a man under authority. He said, because I am under authority, I can say to those under my authority, go and they will go. If I say to my soldier, do this, he will do it, because I am a man under authority. So he, the, he understood how it worked. So he said to Jesus, I too am a man under authority. In other words, what he was saying was, I can see, Jesus, that you are a man under authority. I can see that you only do what you see the Father doing. Because you are under authority, I see too that you have authority over sickness. So all you need to do, you don't need to come to my house, all you need to do is speak the words and my servant will be cured. And Jesus said, wow, that's faith. And he commends them for it. You see, he, so Jesus has all authority because he is under authority. And as I say, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he has the same power today. He has the same authority today. He has the same 
agenda today. Hallelujah. Jesus said this himself just before he, uh, just before he went back to heaven. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. It's that little word, all. <laughs> and <laughs> all authority in heaven and on earth. There's no authority that is not under the authority of Jesus. And uh, all authority, Bill Johnson points out, that leaves none for Satan. That will make him a bit grumpy. It leaves none for Satan if Jesus has all authority. Hallelujah. You see, Jesus came back to take back what the devil had stolen and spoilt in this world. But the interesting thing about Jesus, he comes with authority, he is the king, he brings the kingdom, but he does not intend to bring the kingdom in all by himself. It very soon becomes clear that not only does he have this amazing authority over all sickness and demonic activity, but it also it, he's, it becomes very clear in every one of the Gospels he intends to use his followers those who follow Jesus, you and me. He intends to use us. And it's not a slightly maybe he wants to use us. He really wants to use us to carry out the task. Let's look at the commission that Jesus has given to us to heal the sick. First of all, Jesus sends out the 12, Matthew 12, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 10 verse 1, Jesus called the 12 disciples to him and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. He gives them authority over every sickness. And when you hear the stories, they have as much authority as Jesus. Because they're under his authority, he's given them authority, they do the stuff. It's not like a little bit of authority. He's giving them authority over every sickness, every disease, evil spirits, the same authority that he had. Incredible. Later, Jesus sends out the 72. And he says to them, heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near you. And then later on he tells you, I have given you authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Now, you just read that. It's the same authority, no limits, that Jesus sends out the 72 with. I think it's staggering, and they come back with amazing stories of breakthrough, the type of breakthrough you expect Jesus to bring when he walks into town. The 72, who you don't know the names of. I don't know who they were. The sort of nobodies, the no-label disciples came and moved in the same authority that Jesus was moving in, because he has all authority and sends out his followers with that same authority, and they operate in it. Then Jesus commissions all believers, and this is where he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. And one of the things he said is, go make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. 
In other words, we have authority because we are under his authority. It's that story of the uh, centurion again. Jesus has authority. He sends us out under that authority. That's why we have authority. Well, what did Jesus command his disciples to do? Well, whoever he sent out, there was a consistent message when he sent out those of his followers. He said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. In other words, the authority that Jesus was given to bring the kingdom is the same authority that he then passes to us and says, you bring the kingdom. He's commissioned us to heal the sick. And so that's why we can't keep it in the church, but we can't just ignore it full stop anyway. We've got to see it happen in the church. We've got to see it flow out from the church. And we've certainly had prophetic words which have been pushing us in that direction. It's got to go out. It's got to go out. Jesus has an anointing on us to bring healing wherever we go. And then when Jesus said about heal the sick, raise the dead, he said an important thing. He said, freely you have received, freely give. In other words, this isn't a stress moment. We minister out of who we are. And that is so important. I thought it was lovely coming into that, that prophetic picture of uh, just sit down in the room, you've come home. I think, I think we move in greater authority when we move in relaxed sonship and daughterhood. I really do. I think when we get hold of who we are, we move in great freedom. So our commission is to continue... Uh, his ministry, uh, and to see the kingdom invade and reclaim uh, planet Earth. Now, just a couple of stories um, uh, of, of situations we've seen uh, healed here before we look onto the authority that we have to heal the sick. We've looked at the commission, it's very clear. I'm going to go through the authority, but a couple of stories, um, um, and I'll share it on Mary's behalf here. So, uh, Mary's had uh, a thyroid um, situation which. Uh, needs medication, uh, has been going on for several years. And that continues to go on. However, there was a point where, fairly recently, after an exhausting trip, the medication just was not working. She was in a bad way. And so, um, I think it was on one Sunday, Hannes, I think you were involved in praying for her one week. I think another week, um, Tim uh, prayed for her the following week. And uh, when the blood test came up, the opportunity for blood test six, six weeks later, she was told, actually, everything's back to normal. It's, it's right again. Now, just to say, she's still continuing on the medication, but in terms of that thing, change and shifted when we prayed. And the blood uh, test confirmed that. It's wonderful. Um, praise God. Um, we also, um, there was a Sunday morning when we prayed. Uh, I, I can't remember what the appeals were for. But anyway, Katerina didn't come forward for prayer. She had a blocked ear. Um, but just felt I'm going to hold back and just wait. And anyway, I, I bumped into her in, when we used to have refreshments through in the Helen Smith room and went up to her and asked, how was she? And she said, well, actually, she, she felt she had to, she felt cornered. I don't know why, but she felt cornered. She felt she had to say, well, look, actually, it's my ear. It's blocked. I'm finding it really hard to hear. So I said, well, come on, let's pray. So we prayed. And uh, right in the middle of praying, she goes, oh, she goes, it's popped, it's popped. And she could hear um, clearly. Now, again, we were both surprised. Eh? It was like, oh, my word, it's amazing. It's wonderful. 
Um, praise God. I mean, there's another story, again, about 18 months ago, one of these classic 18 months ago stories. <clears throat> but it was around about November 2015. I visited the church in Auckland and was doing some ministry on the Holy Spirit. But in my heart, I felt the Holy Spirit comes to bring the kingdom. You know, he doesn't come to help us speak in tongues in a Christian meeting. He comes to bring the kingdom and give us power. So I thought the last thing I want this church to get out of this is sort of like a let's sing in the spirit moment. I thought I want to see the power of God come. And um, we didn't advertise it as we're going to do healing. I didn't know we were going to do healing. My heart was I want to see something happen. But this family came in just at lunchtime just to get healed. It was bizarre. They didn't come for the day. They just said, we've come to receive prayer. So we gathered a few people around. There was a lady from Brazil. We were talking through translators. Um, I think the husband was uh, Kiwi, and she was Brazilian. So we were talking through. And basically what had happened, she had had a knee operation, which was not really good. She was still in a lot of pain from it. So I don't know whether it was a replacement knee or whatever. She'd had an operation, very painful. So I said, come on, let's pray. So we gathered around her, we spoke to the knee in the name of Jesus, told it to get better, asked her how it was. Through translation, she said that I think it was 40% better. So we said, Jesus is doing something. Okay, let's pray for another 40%. So we prayed again. And then at that point, she then started to get down on her knee. She got off the chair, got down on her knee, pushed herself up off from her bad knee, pushed herself up, and she went like this. And about a week later... So we were thanking God and praising God. Then we got on with the day, and um, half the people weren't aware of what had gone on, actually, because she just came in to get a healing and got her healing and then went off. It was ridiculous. It was crazy. But anyway, about a text, a week later, I got a text. Um, I just sort of said, well, hey, how's it, how's it going? What's the update? And I had confirmation that she was enjoying running up and downstairs pain-free. Hallelujah. We really thank God. Listen, we've been commissioned to do this stuff. And Jesus has given us authority to heal the sick. I just want to um, finish the session by looking at the authority that we have to heal. It's important to understand the authority we have in Christ. And it's not something we need to drum up. It flows out of our new identity of who we are in Christ. And whether you're in Christ, you cannot help it. You have authority to heal the sick. And it's not something you earn through being a Christian good enough and trying hard enough. It comes through uh, being who you are. So when you know who you are, you know who you belong to and you know what you carry, then you move in kingdom authority. All right? And I think that's important for us to know. It affects the things around us. And it's time to learn to, and I guess this is the journey I'm on, it's time to learn to walk in the authority we have been given. I'm not trying to prove the authority I have. I'm not trying to earn the authority I have. I'm trying to move in the authority I have. It's a different mindset. Um, and uh, it's not about the method. It's not about the technique. It's about who we are in Christ. Therefore, what we carry. All right? Our authority, it's our right to exercise power, okay? Uh, it says in John uh, 1, to those who did receive him. In other words, that includes us if we've responded to Jesus. Those who did receive him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision, but born of God. Listen, it's our birthright. 
It is our birthright. We're born into the family and we have a birthright. We're children of God. We're sons and daughters of God. For years I didn't get this. But when you get it, you understand I am in the family and I'm carrying something of the family authority and likeness. It's our birthright. It's something you're born into. When you're born again, you are born into a supernatural realm. Now, we live in a natural realm, but there is a supernatural realm. And when we're born again, we're born into that. So becoming a Christian itself is supernatural. We're born of God, not a human decision. So the minute you come to Christ, you have authority to minister in the name of Jesus. And then we're told that it's our inheritance. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Now, if we're children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Jesus. There is an inheritance that we receive, not through what we earn. We're in Christ, and suddenly everything that is in Christ is ours too. It's our inheritance. So it's like I've landed in this place where I have authority because Christ has authority. I'm landed in this place. It's part of the family business. I'm right in there straight away. It's not for the volunteers who want this particular thing. It's like, I'm right in there. This is part of my inheritance. I am God's heir, and what he has, he shares with me. I'm a co-heir with Christ. Christ, where is he? He is seated at God's right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all authority and rule and power and dominion, dominion and every name. You can't get much higher than that. He's above every name and Christ is seated at God's right hand with that sort of level of authority. And where are you and I seated? It only says in the next chapter, and God raised you and me up in Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. So every believer has a legitimate right and authority. That is where God has placed us. Whether you feel it or not, that is how God sees you and me. We are seated with Christ and he has all authority and we're seated with him sharing authority and administering his authority. We're seated with him. And so we minister out of that place of rest. It's not something we drum up. It's a place of rest. That's where Jesus has put us. That's the authority Jesus has given us. I mean, you just look at the miracles around. I mean, Jesus is one thing, but then you look at the, the apostles, wherever they went, it seemed to be. So one day, Peter goes through a crowd, and if his shadow fell on you, you got healed. Now, that's not a new technique of just healing on a sunny day and stand in the right position and get a cue to run in front of your shadows. Let's not turn things in the Bible into methods and techniques. This is the thing about authority. He carried something. He carried the presence of God. And people came within sort of a breath of him and they were healed. It happened with Jesus. People touched his clothes and they were healed. And the woman heard a story about that 
you know, the woman who pressed through the crowd, she wasn't the first person who touched his clothes. She'd already heard the stories that other people had touched his clothes and received healing. And so she thought to herself, if I can touch his clothes, I'll be healed. People touched clothes. With Paul it happened. Handkerchiefs. Handkerchiefs that Paul had touched. I mean, let's not start a hanky ministry. Come on. I mean, it's just a little bit twee, isn't it? But listen, it was, it's not about the t- what, how the thing looks. It's about the authority. And what happened was there was an authority, there was something that Paul carried that even handkerchiefs that he touched could be taken to people who were sick and they were cured. Amazing miracles. You imagine now, translate that into our day, you imagine going into a supermarket and brushing past someone and authority from you healing someone. That would be fun, wouldn't it? It's kind of the sort of thing that we've got to get used to, the fact we do carry authority. I'm not saying now let's do a supermarket ministry, but I'm saying there is a sense of authority we carry. We carry more than we realise, is I guess what I'm, I'm, I'm discovering. We carry more than we realise. So when Peter and John uh, go into the temple and they see the lame man, what do they say? Uh, they say, what I have, I give to you. They knew what they carried. They knew who they were so they could go into the temple and go, we've got this for you. Haven't got money, but we've got this for you. In Jesus' name, stand up, walk. They knew what they carried. And we are his ambassadors and representatives with authority to bring the kingdom. And you see, what we need is we need revelation and understanding to think differently. What I love is Mark Marx says this, we don't need more authority. We need to under a revelation of the authority we already have. And I think this is so important, is to understand we don't have to jump through hoops. We need revelation. So uh, uh, Paul says this, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We need to be aware there is a spirit realm and the kingdom is the realm of the spirit. We need kingdom spectacles to learn to see things differently. doesn't mean we ignore what's happening in the natural. It means we need to be aware of another kingdom. Uh, Paul says here, um, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at God's right hand. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And so what we need is we need to adjust our heart and our mind to see things differently, to have a different perspective. And Jesus wants to do that. We need to see things from where we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Does that make sense? So often we can see things from the earth and have an earthly perspective by renewing our mind and understand that we, are, we, we, we need to be, understand we are seated with Christ and we see things from his perspective, from that position of authority. Uh, Chris Gore very helpfully um, teaches about this. Chris Gore administers at um, Bethel Church um, with Bill Johnson. He teaches about the difference between facts and truth. He says, listen, he goes, the facts are uh, the reality that's in front of you. I am sick, I need healing. But there is a greater reality, and that is truth. And the truth is Jesus is the healer. The great thing about facts is facts can change. You can't change truth. Jesus is always the healer. You may be sick, that can change. 
Jesus is the healer, you can't change that. He's always the healer, hallelujah. And Paul uh, talks about, um, he says, I keep asking the glorious Father to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. In there he's saying, you want, I want you to know who he is. I want to know who you, you to know who you are in him. And I want you to know what you carry. You see, when we grasp what we've been given, it's more than head knowledge. This is more than head knowledge. It may start here. It's, it needs to get to this place where we're like, actually, I understand this is the authority. This is what we have. This is what we carry. And uh, just, just to say that when we know the authority we have, it affects the way we pray. Now, Nat's going to be talking a bit more about how we pray later on. I just want to um, just throw this in to say there are two main ways to pray. One is a petitioning prayer, which tends to be from earth towards heaven. God, please move this mountain. It's a legitimate form of prayer in terms of we do bring our petitions to God. The Bible encourages us to do that. But when it comes to the area of sickness, it's actually asking him to do what he's told us to do. So you imagine there's a police officer and he's, he's got his badge, he's got his uniform, and he sees a crime committed right in front of him. Wouldn't it be odd for the police officer to run off to his sergeant and say, Sergeant, Sergeant, please, please could you go and arrest that person? I've just seen them do this crime. Could you do that? The, the sergeant would turn to the officer and go, Look at your badge, man. Look at your uniform. That's what you're employed for. You've been given authority. You go and arrest them. And so what we find is that Jesus and his disciples never used the petitioning prayer when dealing with sickness. Jesus used commanding prayer, which was a lot more speaking from heaven to earth. Bring your kingdom now. Bring your healing now to earth. And it's a commanding prayer. So we're learning, and we'll learn more about it later on. Um, it's about exercising delegated authority. It's being consistent with what the Bible teaches. And so when someone needs sickness, uh, to be, you know, it's be healed in the name of Jesus. When someone's troubled in some sort of way, and maybe there is some oppression of the enemy, go in the name of Jesus. It's commanding prayer. It's delegated authority. Jesus said this. He said, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as mustard seed, we haven't got time to go into the subject of faith uh, this afternoon, but if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. may not be our experience. This is the truth of God's word. So, uh, just, to, just to wrap up, Jesus then gives us all authority. He has all authority. He, he, um, and no sickness is outside of his domain at all. Uh, everything is under his authority, and he gives delegated authority to his followers, to us. And this is what he said. He gives us authority to... He says, These signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will lay their hands on sick people and they will get well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just um, pray for that. Could we just have a bit of 
music. Before we break for afternoon tea, let's just stand, shall we? <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just close our eyes. Let's just uh, come before God. I believe that God wants to uh, meet with us. Listen, as Nat said earlier, at any point in this conference, inside or outside, God can heal us. We can be worshipping, God can heal us. We can be ministering to one another and God can heal us. We can be hearing the word of God and faith in our heart suddenly goes, that's for me, and we receive God's healing. It can happen over dinner tonight. Maybe we might have you brush shoulders with someone and as you brush shoulders, healing power comes from you. It's happened before. And we carry the authority of Jesus. I believe Jesus just wants us to come before him. Let's just come, let's close our eyes. Let's be before him. I believe what God wants to do is he wants to deposit in our hearts fresh faith. And I believe what he wants to do right now is give a sense of commission. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your power. We thank you for the authority that you've given us. Father, we come to you as those who want to follow you and do the things that you were doing. Now come on us, I pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come all around this room now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. Come and bring your sense of compassion upon us that we would fill your heart, knowing that everything that you did comes out of a heart of love. Fill us with compassion right now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you want, just put your hands out in front of you and just feel the sense of God's love coming on you. Just receive his love. Receive his pleasure. Some of you in this moment actually will be receiving physical healing in your body. I'm not praying for that right now, but that's going to happen anyway. Thank you, Jesus. What Jesus wants to come is fill your hands and fill your heart with his love. Some of you right now are going to feel... loaded hands. Does that make sense? It will if it happens to you. He's going to give you a sensation on your body, probably in your hands, that he's given you authority. That's not happening to you. That's fine. Some of you will feel that, an authority, and it will be some manifestation, I think, in your hands. You'll feel that as God's Spirit comes on you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Give us your heart, Father. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Some of you are going to sense God's heart in a new way that you've never felt before. And he's going to lay on you and you'll, you'll know what compassion is because he will hit your heart and your heart will feel compassion. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
No, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. No, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Just keep receiving from him. Just stay before him. Just speak to him about where your heart's at with this. Maybe you're right at the start of this. Maybe you feel like you've got a few bruises in this and you've you've lost the, the drive to see the kingdom come through you. Just say, God, fill me afresh. Wherever I'm at, God, fill me up with more of your spirit right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We welcome you, Lord. We welcome you, Lord. We welcome you, Lord. We welcome you, Lord. 